I'm Austin Riley Miller, and you're listening to Unfurled, the story of our flags. After the first episode or two of this podcast began airing, I got a call from my dad. We chatted about life and things for a while, and towards the end of the call, he mentioned the show, and part of the reason why he had called. He stopped for a second, and then then he said this, Austin, I just gotta know, why flags? I answered him the reasons why I've gotten into vexillology and flags, and how my wife did a big project about them earlier this year as well, and how we both watched a TED Talk with Roman Mars, uh, talking about flags and flag designs, and how it just kind of resonated with us. But the question he asked me has still continued to echo in my mind as I've drawn closer and closer to this last episode for my senior project. Why flags? Maybe I've already answered this question through the show. Flags are a facet of our collective culture that are oftentimes overlooked. They are in our world, but not always given a large amount of thought besides just the patriotism we feel behind our personal flags. We don't often think of the way flags influence us and the world. Such thoughts are perhaps just subconscious to the majority of the time. During this podcast, I've talked a lot about the origin of different flags, as well as the origin of just flags in general. I've also discussed a little bit about what makes a good flag, and some of the rules that go behind that. My favorite, of course, being the rule saying no words or seals of any kind, which a lot of flags just break. I've also gone through a lot of flags that break some of those rules, and why many flags aren't likely to change despite breaking those rules. We talked about political flags and how they might affect us in society and the implications that could happen with their rise. We've even discussed some of the laws that govern and determine how we should use our flags and where the discrepancies exist between the law and what people actually do. But when my dad and I talked, I think he was a bit surprised at just how much history and details there are in regards to flags. Uh, He mentioned it was kind of like a niche thing that's kind of interesting and you just wouldn't think about. And that's kind of the whole purpose of this podcast. I mean, just look at how much of a rabbit hole I went into last episode on a flag that was only seen for 10 seconds in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. So why not flags? I think they're interesting and I hope that I've made them interesting to listen to. And even if this episode ends up being the last one that I do... I do think that there are still a lot of other things that could be discussed on the topic. Now, if, if you've read the title to this particular episode, you'll probably know what the day's topic is. Uh, it's only fitting that the last episode of this season, and possibly of this podcast, should discuss the future of flags. As we know, flags have evolved a lot over the centuries. Um, you'll hopefully remember that they found their origin near the cradle of civilization near Mesopotamia and Egypt. The early flags were not flags, they were just field signs to direct troops, and we call those field signs vexiloids today. The first actual flags probably came from India and China, and then began to emerge later in Europe during the Middle Ages, with knights and kings using their coat of arms as the first designs for their banners. You'll recall that the oldest national flag that has been in continuous use was the Dannebrog or the flag of Denmark in the late Middle Ages, and that most other nations began adopting national flags anywhere from around the 1600s to the early 1800s, somewhere in that ballpark. Flags took on new significance and importance on the high seas, and they were still being used on the battlefield throughout the American Civil War and into the late 1800s. 
we do see flags shift in their use again on the battlefield with the advent of the Industrial Revolution, and most pointedly during the First World War, as industrialized warfare shook Europe and then consequently the world. So from here, flags have changed a lot. But then they kind of stagnate a little bit in their use. Um, they are used much in the same way that we would expect to see today, with the exception of maybe a few political flags that take over and eventually are used in the Second World War. From the 20th century, flags don't charge into battle like in the Napoleonic and Civil Wars of the 19th century. So in the post-war era, the world continued to change, obviously. The first flag flies to the moon and the first computers are invented. So let's fast forward to today. And with the information age now in full force, flags are still everywhere, but in new and interesting ways. Now, if you've been following this podcast, I've, I've basically just recounted most of the first couple episodes back to just now in a couple minutes. But I wanted to set the stage for our question today and take a look back at where flags came from, that which might help us understand what the future might hold for them. And now that we're back in the present, let me officially present our topical question of today. Just where will flags go in the future? Do you remember last episode when I said that I think Star Wars got it right in regards to flags? They were non-existent in the battlefield. The spaceships didn't fly flags, which honestly would look kind of really weird, come to think of it. And on the various planets, we don't really see flags flown to mark ownership of different bases and things either. And I'm sure you're just thrilled to hear me rant on Star Wars again, but, but hear me out, I think there's something to this. At the Battle of Hoth, you know, the, the ice planet in The Empire Strikes Back, the, the rebels at Echo Base attempt to hold off the Imperial advance while in their trenches of snow. Notice that there are no flags anywhere to be seen. And honestly, I, I think that any battles back here on Earth between two modernized armies today would probably be pretty similar in that there wouldn't be a massive display of flags besides maybe at the headquarters or behind the walls of a base. Now, in Star Wars, while neither the Empire nor the Rebellion showcase a flag, they do have symbols that fans would instantly recognize that would distinguish which faction a person belongs to. On the helmets of the pilots in the first Star Wars, for instance, the Rebel pilots sport a now iconic um, uh, icon on their helmets right on, on each temple, and it's the insignia of the Rebellion. This icon is known as the Rebellion Starbird, and it's, it's one of the most memorable symbols from the Star Wars universe. And the evil empire, you know, can't be outdone either. They have an equally striking image of on their helmets and the uniforms of its pilots. And this one looks a lot like a, a gear or maybe a cog. And it's got a really sharp and menacing feel to it, which is just perfectly fitting, I think. And while these factions in this universe don't employ flags in their futuristic settings, they do use these icons extensively. If you ever play any of the games, and this is a really nerdy thing to talk about, but but if you've ever played any of the games that go with the Star Wars, or with Star Wars, such as uh, any of the Star Wars Battlefront games, you might know that when capturing like a command post on a map, like there's little objectives you gotta go secure an area, um, so you go capture a command post, there, there are not flags there. When you capture the spot, holograms of those icons mark ownership of that spot. What is more, fans of the movies have even adopted these symbols, and it's not terribly uncommon to see either of these two symbols as maybe stickers in the back of windows or trucks and cars. 
In fact, I I have a Rebellion Starbird patch on my jacket sleeve, which when I say it sounds super duper nerdy to say, but I, I've also had people come up to me and say that they think it's super cool. And if these icons didn't work or weren't well designed, I doubt they would have caught on as much. And honestly, they may be yet another small reason why Star Wars is as big as it is. And here is where I think this ties in to us here today on Earth. There is a massive rise in good design in the world right now, which I think is a good thing. And with the, and with the immense accessibility given to people by the internet and the rise of smartphones and mobile applications on those phones, the need for well-designed icons has just shot through the roof. Good flags have always been simple. And the same goes with icons too. In many ways, flags and icons are incredibly similar. For instance, they both need to be quickly and easily identifiable. They both need to have strong and recognizable symbolism. They usually should only have a few basic colors. And they should really, really avoid writing, although I will give that some icons can kind of get away with this a little bit. There is even a growing trend to use flags and flag designs as icons. Uh, have you ever, perhaps, had to pick a language in an app or on a website and either next to the language or sometimes in lieu of the name of the actual language you see a little flag icon representing the different language with most associated with the country. So like for example if uh, you speak French, uh, French would have the classic tricolor from France. Uh, if you speak Japanese, the Japanese have their flag. Uh, English, it's a bit trickier because a lot of countries speak English natively. Uh, English might either have Old Glory or the Union Jack depending on where you live, but I'm, I've seen a lot too. Oftentimes you'll see like a half and half of the two flags. Of course, that's kind of excluding Canada and Australia as well, but but you get the idea. And this is, I, uh, this is, I think, one of the many futures in store for our flags. We're seeing iconography of our flags almost as much as we see the actual thing. For instance, during the World Cup or during the Olympic Games, oftentimes the team's scores are displayed with the icon of their flag. And in the tournament brackets of like the World Cup, for instance, we, we often see the flags used to show the country's teams and where they are in the tournament bracket. I would argue that more and more we're starting to see some of our flags on our phones and other screens than in real life. So while flags are not on the battlefield as we charge, they are on our phones as we scroll. I think that flags will continue to encroach on our technology too, and I genuinely think that this is because a really well-designed flag makes an excellent icon. So next time you're looking on your phone or computer, keep an eye out for how often you see f different flags pop up. There, there are a lot more there than you might expect. In fact, flags adapted as icons actually is not a new phenomenon. It's a lot like the pilots in Star Wars. Uh, we Earthlings have also been using flag iconography on both our uniforms and our vehicles for about as long as we've known how to fly. Have you ever heard of a roundel? Maybe not, but you've definitely seen them. So a roundel is, um, well, this can be a bit difficult to describe, but bear with me. In wartime, how do you identify different aircraft as a friend or foe? It's not like you can fly a flag off your plane, right? I mean, if you flew a flag off the tail, it would look kind of weird and it wouldn't be very practical. Well, the solution then was to make an icon that represented one's country and then stamp it on the aircraft somewhere, typically on either the fuselage, which is the body of the plane, or the wings. 
Uh, maybe you recognize uh, Great Britain's like little circles, you know, on the plane wings of those biplanes in like World War One, or perhaps maybe even like the German cross on the German airplanes of World War One. You know, like they have like this iconography on there. Okay, so that's like a roundel. Perhaps if you're American, you've seen a number of these roundels. We've actually gone through uh, a number of designs over the years, actually, but most all of them involve usually a star. Um, typically white if you're not worried about being discreet. Uh, we started with just the traditional circle, though, in World War I to conform with uh, the other allies at the time. Uh, the circle we used on our planes was white in the center and then a blue circle around it and then a red circle around that. And it was actually a discontinued Russian roundel that we just kind of adopted for World War I. And again, that's the one we used in all American planes during World War I. But after the armistice that ended that war, we changed the roundel to be a white star with a red dot in the middle of it all on a field of blue. So, and they're supposed to be the same colors as the flag. In fact, if you've ever played Axis and Allies, boy, I, I'm really ousting myself as a nerd here talking about Star Wars and Axis and Allies, but if you've ever played Axis and Allies, the little tokens to show like where the American player owns on the map is marked by tokens with this particular roundel on it. So we use them as, they're synonymous with America at this point now. So during World War II, the red dot became a bit of a problem because the Japanese roundel has a red dot to match their flag, so we, we dropped the dot after a little bit. And then after the war, we went through a number of designs, all based on either the colors of the American flag or on the star as it's found in the flag. Eventually, after a lot of testing and experimenting, as the military does best, it was found that more important than color was the shape of the roundel, which I think is kind of interesting. And so we... With that knowledge in hand, we then added bars to the sides of the star, which was deemed easier to identify from afar. And that's been our unround uh, roundel ever since. And so if you ever see like, you know, the American jets, whatever, have the star circle around it and then the bars going left and right, kind of like wings almost. And I, I would argue that's pretty iconic. Most people would look at that and go, oh, yeah, it's American like that. And that's doing its job. So we see that flags and elements of flags are used in a variety of ways and are constantly changing to better fit our needs. And this has been going on for a while. But, but what about physical flags? This is an icon still. So um, what about actual physical flags? Where will they go? And are they going to disappear? Now, I'm not totally worried about flags disappearing off the face of the earth. They're not going to just end up on our phones and screens uh, so I'm not terribly worried about that. And that's because flags, as I have said, are powerful. And at least in the United States, are often flown by the civilian population. I mean, we really like our flags. For instance, uh, during a press conference at the White House just a couple weeks ago during the election, the president spoke in front of what must have been like some 60 or so American flags. It, it was a lot. I mean, imagine like a forest of American flags standing behind the president. It went back a good couple feet. It was a little overkill, if you ask me. But, I mean, it shows how much we really like our flags. And during Biden's acceptance speech, even, a couple days later, there were also just a ton of flags behind him. Probably, I'd say, like a dozen or so. But still, way more than what was probably needed. And this is why I don't think flags will leave us to go completely virtual. At least, not for a long, long while. The political use of flags is on the rise. Big time. And I've already talked about my feelings on political flags, but I'll just reiterate that as far as the Trump flags go, the next couple years will be very telling as to the immediate future of such flags. I've already said that I fully expect the Trump flags to stick around for at least a year or so, even though Trump will no longer be in the White House after this next year. 
But should Trump run for 2024, or even hint at a future run, which he kinda has a little bit, I think we can maybe expect such flags to continue for a little longer then. But let's, let's say he doesn't, just for the sake of argument. How long then will the Trump flags fly? Will a different candidate elicit as many flags? Let's say someone like Ted Cruz runs for president. Will we then see Cruz 2024 flags? The answer is hard to distinguish at this point in time. Uh, flags in this country are a little bit... Are, flags in this country are kind of at a crossroads. Will political flags eventually replace yard signs completely for national candidates? It's possible, I suppose. Will flags take over that role and then find new use in the messy battlefield of politics? It could happen. Personally, I, I hope not. But I'll make a guess that the next few years will determine a lot, and should such flags continue with devout Republicans, then I would estimate that we might see a slow rise in Democratic candidate flags as well, and as we've already seen with those few Biden flags that have popped up. But as I said a few episodes ago, Trump is not a typical politician, and neither were those flags. So perhaps in a few years' time, if we start having more typical candidates on the Republican side, we'll see the political candidate flag just become a temporary fad. It's a tricky thing trying to guess what will be a fad and then what will endure. And as I've just said, flags tend to endure. Uh, but I did just see a day or two ago as well a funny uh, opinion article back from 1984 about whether or not video games would last or not. And the lady, bless her heart, said that the video games would last only a short time and then they'd be remembered as just another fad because people would go back outside and start playing outside and they had a life to live. And obviously, I mean, video games are still here, so that didn't really happen the way she envisioned it. But it's not any easier to say that something will last either. Hitler thought that his Reich would last a thousand years, which is kind of a big thing to say, but I'm sure there were also some people who genuinely thought that disco would last forever. And while I love listening to the occasional ABBA song or Earth, Wind & Fire song, you know, it's not like I'm boogieing down to the Bee Gees every day. And certainly I'm not about to go to any clubs, show my moves in, the in those bell bottoms and platform shoes. Although I, I think I could maybe rock a pop collar and jive, you know? But so maybe political flags will die out until we get another atypical candidate like President Trump. It's probably the most likely outcome for such banners, honestly. But with this year being what it is, it's incredibly difficult to predict anything, really. But at least in the United States, the American Stars and Stripes don't look like they're going to go anywhere. It's been over 19 years since September, the September 11th attacks, and people still fly their flags on their porches and yards all the time. I don't think that people's feelings towards their flags will wane. I fully expect the American flag will continue to adorn flagpoles across the states. If anything, I expect that we'll see more of our flags as we move forward, both technologically and socially. If and when the first person steps foot on the surface of Mars, I bet one of the things that we'll do is plant a flag. Whose flag it will be and what it will represent, I, I couldn't possibly say, but I do know that flags are a part of us, and that isn't going to change. We bring them to the top of mountains and to new worlds. We, we raise them in victory and we fly them to signal and officiate. We use them in so many ways. We use them to identify ourselves and we use them in free speech. The story of flags is the story of humanity. And so long as humanity has a future, so will flags.
This has been Unfurled, the story of our flags. I have been your host, Austin Riley Miller, and this was the last episode that I produced specifically for my senior project. I I still don't know if I'll make another season of this or or not. I but I like to think that at some point I will. This has been a great experience for myself, and I've really just loved diving into the numerous details and stories of these flags, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. Again, if you haven't left a review, and if you're listening on the uh, the Apple Podcast app, please leave a review. I would just really love the feedback. Um, I've got a couple of ratings there, but I'd love to see how much I can get. So if you haven't done that yet, just please do it. It takes like a half second, I promise. Um... Anyways, by the time I recorded this episode, this podcast has been downloaded over a hundred times, which for just a school project that I've done has felt really great. Um, It's been so much fun to watch the map fill in. I've got a little map of where people are listening in from, and this show has downloaded all across the United States from California to Utah to Wisconsin to Florida. It's also been downloaded in Canada, the United Kingdom, Belgium, and even Peru. So if you're listening out from outside the United States, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, if there is anyone, anyone else you think that might enjoy this podcast, definitely feel free to share it with them. Um, I'd love to keep growing the show and depending on how much people actually keep listening, that may very well play a factor into whether or not I continue this show for another season. Just a reminder though, that all the opinions and views in this podcast have been my own and they're not that of BYU-Idaho's. Well, I think that just about wraps things up here for me, so I hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening in from, you have a great day and stay safe. Perhaps I'll catch you again on Unfurled, the story of our flags.